I think it's funny because when people know me, I'm not. I think that as long as it comes from more of a place of respect rather than you're mean Mm. and awful and horrible, like I wouldn't want anyone saying that I'm those things because I don't think that they're true. But I think intimidating, it's like, well, maybe you've actually never met me, in which case then how can you even make a judgment? I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. Disclaimer, my next guest is also my best friend. Billy Iverson is the fashion director of Rush magazine, and while that's achingly cool, what's even cooler is she's in that role with Grace. She's energetically pure, kind, and thoughtful. We have a deep feeling and thinking friendship, both Cancerians, and some of my biggest life moments have happened with Billy Bob by my side. That's what I call her. Offline exists as an exploration of self and how influential women develop character. In my eyes, Billy is a brilliant example of a woman who is constantly evolving and growing. Her love of film, fashion, books and mindfulness is both inspiring and contagious. And if you work in fashion or aspire to, the advice she shares here is a gift. Here's my Billy Bob and I for Offline. I have a question for you. How do you reconcile how people perceive you? I've asked this question before of other guests versus who you know you really are. And I ask that because a couple of times we've spoken about people saying that at first they thought you were intimidating, but you're actually like the polar opposite of that. Yeah. How do you think about that? Because like knowing people think you're intimidating makes it even harder to try not to Yes, be and then you don't way. want to go too far the other way. Because I just think you're quite shy. I'm definitely shy. I, as we sort of said, I I have low tolerance for kind of small talk and bullshit and Mm. (laughs) wasting time. Um, um, How do I do you think about it now? I mean, I think about it sometimes. Like, should I be friendlier or like? Sometimes, but I also am very sort of aware of who I am, and I don't like. Compromise. compromising who I am just because I think I should or mm. you know I I think being true to yourself is very important in in business as well as mm. um personal life and so I think that 
yeah, I'm I'm definitely shy. I don't sort of it takes a little bit to get to know me. Um and and then obviously, you know, in business you can't always be like that. Mm. You have to sort of I don't know, create a rapport, at least a sort of standing where you can have common ground and and work together. But I think in terms of yeah, it just takes a little bit. I I take a little bit longer to sort of open up. To warm up a bit. To warm up, yeah. open up. Does it bother you that people have said they thought you were intimidating or do you think no. that's funny? I think it's funny because when people know me, I'm not. Um, I think that as long as it comes from more of a place of respect rather than you're mean mm. and awful and horrible, like I wouldn't want anyone saying that I'm those things because mm. I don't think that they're true. But I think intimidating, it's like, well, maybe you've actually never met me, mm. in which case then how can then you even also, make a judgment? Well, that's the thing. It's like that's all everyone else's stuff that they project on you, isn't it? Like, And I think also as women we have a tendency to um, be shiny and like go over the top and you're not like that where – and I, you see me do it all the time. I'm like, hi, how are you? And I'll quickly try and make people feel comfortable and I'll yeah. ask the small talk questions. And But I think we're a good duo in that sense because if we're out somewhere together, I kind of play my role in that sense where I do the like – the no, Allison thing, and then you're just staying there, and you're like, "So should we go?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's like get the, out of here." The wicked, the wicked sister. No, well, you're kind of like, "Let's go and have dinner," or "Let's go and have a drink," or like, yeah, let's, and then we'll go and have a proper chat versus yeah, standing at something, standing that, at something, and but I give those things too much time. To, yes, and trying to sort of mm. have a real conversation while knowing that you're at an event and kind of mm. being aware of who's around. Is there anyone else I need to say hello to, or mm. whatever? Yeah, yeah. um I have to say this is like probably the weirdest one I've done because I think I know you so well and you know me so well I know it's weird getting asked questions about you know because we don't really have we've already touched on basically in a way or we already know about each other I know but it's it's weird like it's nice to put it into words hard but yeah but looking like looking at you in an interview format is like (laughs) oh god it's weird well that's why we're, we're actually drinking wine Delicious. Because I think, well, I certainly just needed a little bit of um, a help, a hand, <laughs> and it's Friday. Um, so another question I have for you is around creativity um, and I have found your your creativity to be quite intuitive. So to me it doesn't seem like you have to try very hard to access it or to be creative or to have great ideas and you seem to think of them quite quickly as well. And there's aspects of my work that I can do that in, but yours is much more visual and I guess visually intelligent. Where does that come from, do you think, for you? and Or have you always just been that way? Well, that's very nice, firstly, for you to say. Um, And it's funny because I sort of – so coming from the family that I did, which is that my mum is a fashion designer and my dad is in film and television, I sort of – and being surrounded by the people I was surrounded by, I never sort of felt like I was innately creative. I knew that I wasn't not creative, Mm. but I would never sort of use – you were never going to go and be like an accountant. <laughs> no, which is what my sister is basically. Um, she works in business and and she's um, very different to me. But 
in a way I sort of have always liked the pairing of practicality and creativity Um, and that's why I always enjoy shoots or briefs or issues where there's sort of creative constraints. I really like creative constraints because I quite like using that other side of my brain where it's like, okay, you can only shoot for four hours and it's pouring with rain. It's this budget. What are you going to do? You've got to use these brands. So, yeah, great. Okay, amazing. We're going to do something different um, as opposed to the idea of for me sitting in something for a really long time or being like amazing I have months or years or weeks or whatever to create Mm. what will I do Mm, creative constraints yes the idea of creative constraints I talk about it all the time because I really like it and I sort of try and make other people like it spoken about that before (laughs) no we haven't that's interesting and I think that some of the people I work with say photographers or hair and makeup or Um, you know, directors probably would be like, well, I don't really like creative constraints. I'm like, no, it's great. Come Mm. on. We can sort of think of something. I I sort of like parameters, I guess. Mm. Um, And I think that's why I've always enjoyed working in the way that I do, which is that we obviously have six issues a year. We we theme each issue. So that's sort of in a way a parameter and a starting point. Um, And then for digital as well, we sort of, we work back from different sort of themes. So I do like the idea of that. Um, and then you can kind of push boundaries yeah, and within I think that because it kind of forces you to, doesn't it? It does. And I think that for me that is my starting point and that's how I creatively work. Mm. Um, and then but in it terms is intuitive. I sort of think of things quite quickly. I don't do. like sitting with things because I do know – I know I make up my mind quickly. I don't um and ah. I don't – you know, even when editing after a shoot, I'm like that one, that one, that one. I, I don't sort of have to sit with it for a long time. Um, and that's about knowing, having a really strong sense of self and your taste levels. Yeah, and knowing that – and obviously it's come over the years. Like it didn't well, start off ask, like that. Like how do you – how do you – and what advice perhaps would you have for other women or creatives or people who maybe want to work in fashion around refining – their taste levels like is it just sort of time on the field in the sense that it's just shoot after shoot after shoot you kind of just get really good at knowing what you like and or what perhaps not what you like but what you know will work for the brand I mean yeah obviously then there's the idea of the I know innately what is rush and what I want to be rush and so that and what will work in certain areas of that so that's one thing I think that in terms of knowing the brand and what you're what you're working to and what your brief is is really important. Um, it is about honing it. It is about trusting your intuition. I say that across everything in terms of whether it's in business or whether it's in health and, and I think it's really important for people to learn to listen to their bodies, their instinct and their bodies and, you know, if you have a feeling like something's wrong, then listen to that and, and work out what it is. Because mm. a big part of it for us right now, I think as ambitious young women is stopping to listen because so much of the time we allow ourselves to get to the pneumonia or we get to the crisis point before we actually, yeah, we we're forced to listen, aren't we, versus the cues that you might have been getting over a period of time. But we're just so go, 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 go. But I also think you've always had – quite a good um you know I hate the work-life balance cliche because I don't I'm not a huge believer in in that in the sense of um there was a really really great quote in um an article we did with Jericho who's now at 
girl boss. Okay. Yeah, who you would know. I think she used to be in yes. Mashable and yeah, I've met her. she's friends with some friends of yours. But she had this really great um, – I guess, perspective on work-life balance around we're just living in a time where you kind of have to fit self-care and stuff into your day now. It's not so much about defining what is work and what is life, but it's more how can you sort of take care of yourself and find moments in the day to stop and reflect or meditate or manifest or whatever it is that you're sort of into. But I do think you've always had a good balance if I can say that like in those years when I was doing those stupid hours I know you were like Jesus what are you still doing at work you know yeah I think that that's calm I I obviously there were intense periods where I was working really long hours um when our team was much smaller and you know I was obviously more junior and I think also for me health has played a really big part in that and and getting to a sort of crisis point with my health and having to listen and having to not get to the point where I can't let all the little things go because then it will be a much mm. bigger deal than than I would like it to be. So I think that that has sort of been mm. has has made a difference. I will, I'm I mean I don't. I don't really like the term self care because I. I but I don't like labeling things like a lot I of things. Know. But you know, I found that when I learned meditation, and I did Vedic meditation, and I learned that when I was sort of, I can't even remember. I think I'd been at Rush for maybe three or four years. So yeah, I, I remember was, when you were going through that. Process. Yeah, and I was really yeah. stressed, and I was like, okay, how do I? And I, and I sort of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm really stressed all the time. How This stress is obviously useful because it's getting to me to be able to do a lot of things, but how can I just be able to switch it off a little bit? And I tried a few different things and, and nothing was quite what I wanted until I did Vedic meditation. And that was like, I just needed a tool so that any time I sort of felt like, you know, and I'm not the perfect meditator, I don't meditate every day all the time. And of course, when I travel, I should be meditating, but I don't. Um, but it is a really great tool and I think that mm. that helps a lot. I wish I liked it. I could probably try – no, I could definitely try harder and I should think about maybe doing a course or something so I understand what I'm doing. But I've just – it's never been something that I've wanted to go and explore. Like, It's funny. I don't know why I, – I had a couple of friends who um, – it was one of those things where it felt really weird to talk about stress at the time that I was stressed. I was quite young, you know, I was doing this amazing kind of seemingly glamorous job. Um, and I remember talking to a few people. I remember talking to my, to my mom and then talking to my doctor and she was like, Oh, maybe you should go see a psychologist. And so I did who basically said, well, you have an amazing life. What are you complaining about? And I was like, well, I'm not really complaining. I'm just looking for some tools to help with stress. <laughs> and then I had a friend say, go and do this, this meditation retreat. I think you'll really like it. And I did it and I tried other meditation before that. Like that transcendental it's or whatever it's meditation, called? It's so it's a version of transcendental. So oh, I learned it. it through one teacher first and then um, resat with Jackie at the Broad Place who basically was like meditation is like exercise. You have to find the one you like. So you might not like boxing but you might love Pilates which is like maybe you love sitting in a room chanting with people and whatever type or silent meditation or um, scanning the body scan meditation or mindfulness or whatever, but it's, it is trying those different things and finding out what works for you. And that clicked for me and the way she described things clicked for me and I found it really useful. Mm. Um, and it was just a great tool. Well, maybe I'll pop that on my list. Put on your list of things to do. Of things to do. I've got I'm a like, lot of people onto it. Have you? 
I I have a growing list of like personal admin related things that now I'm like yeah well I'm definitely going to do um like a mystic course with Natalia Benson she's that girl I'm obsessed with in LA um and so once I've done that, I'll be able to read your cards Amazing. and I'll be able to do Can't some wait. basic astrology for you. Um, I'm really just bringing something fresh to our friendship, Great. Good. <laughs> building on it. Um, okay, so I would like to talk about the fashion industry, which I have to be careful myself as to not kind of bash that or bag that out too much because I'm not in it in a way where I think I can probably speak as an authority on it. Maybe beauty is a bit different. Um, but if I can be an observer more than sort of a participator, um, I do think there's a little bit of unpacking we could do around the ego that kind of is wrapped up in the fashion industry. And I don't know if it's different because you're in it every day versus me sort of being on more of the outside, but like maybe being in it, you might, some people might perhaps deny that it's there or, it's seen as this thing where it's like, oh, you just want to be in it and you're not, or I don't know. But I found it quite confronting, like the focus on sort of status and who you know and what you're wearing or not wearing. Mm. How do you sort of think about that? I think that more than, I mean, I guess power is wrapped up into ego, but I think it's a lot to do with power and it's that I remember when I first started, which is when I probably thought about it, thought about it more, it was, you know, it was that idea that people are using their power, people are asserting their power, people are trying to make themselves seem powerful in, in you know, whether that's at an event or whatever that may be. I sort of never bought into it, but that's because I don't really buy into or I'm not easily intimidated mm. and I'm not easily sort of swayed by people's titles or whatever else I mean what they think is cool or what you should be wearing or no exactly I think there's I think there's definitely um yeah I think yeah I've never really thought about it I mean people have sort of asked me about it I know we've sort of briefly talked about it before but I think that maybe it is more intimidating from the outside I think Mm. if you buy into it Mm. it can be being someone who is respected in the industry on a title that's respected yeah, Your, I mean, I've never sort yeah. of – I've obviously worked at the same title for eight years. I've never sort of gone in um, at a really junior level at a at a title perhaps which maybe other people would have judged to be not mm. – And maybe I guess that's where it comes why? from for me is when I was starting out in women's lifestyle, not journalism, being on a title that people were like – at that time it was like, what do you mean you're online? Like what is that? And it was like this US brand and no one really knew what it was and therefore it was like um, not People important. like to put people in boxes as yeah. well and, and to know where everyone stands and be like, okay, you know, you you know, I'm, I mean you can just see people scanning rooms and going, okay, well out of this room I'm the most important person. Mm. <laughs> which it's so fucked up. Yeah, which is like but, – but that's all their stuff as well and I think that mm. – Again, I've been lucky that I have sort of – and I was talking with a friend who just said, baby, but how do you – is that nature or nurture as to how to get someone to be confident in themselves and mm. and just happy in themselves? And I think it is to do with maturity as well. But And humility, I, I think. And, yeah, but I've if never sort of – yeah, I never sort of came into the industry being like, oh, I'm – I'm this. And where do I all, sit on Where the... do I sit? And, and all of these people are over here and no one's being nice to each other. I mean – 
I think it just comes with making friends and being able to go to events and have people that you want to see and talk Mm. to more so than, you know, which I think that comes with time. Mm. But I don't know whether it's necessarily to do with ego or that person's not wearing the right shoes. So therefore, Mm. Because that's what I was going to say. Like I would like to consider myself a relatively confident person. But we've even been in conversations where I'm kind of just like your mate, not so much at maybe not at an event but like if we're sort of with maybe more fashion people and it's been like it's quite polarising when people look you up and down and it's like if you're wearing the right shoes there's this kind of gentle nod of like oh yeah that nod of knowing like oh great shoes and it actually happened to me last night and I was like it's so telling of fashion people that like when they approve what you wear you're like you're in but then the look they give you when they don't approve what you wear I don't even think they know they're doing it because they're assessing you as like a subject in a lot of ways as well because you're in fashion yeah that's what I was just about to say I was sort of and maybe this is and because I've never had that sort of happen to me or maybe I have but it's completely sort of not phased me Mm. but I guess many people in the fashion industry. We're re-establishing that I'm very sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) That is like their job in a way. You're sort of going, oh, okay, that, I mean, and I do that all the time, you know, in terms of like you'll be on a plane and you're sort of like, oh, whoa, like that's some really like very current, very sort of luxury things that that lady has constructed into a very relaxed, chic, plain outfit um but yeah I guess it's sort of that innate sort of aesthetic judgment Mm. which I don't think and if the person is intentionally bad is intentionally bad obviously it can be bad if people are insecure and they're trying to you know project all this other stuff onto it then for sure but Mm. I think that it is that innate sort of like okay what are we doing here what what like Mm. who's wearing what or you know Mm. do you ever feel pressure to wear certain things No, I think that I always sort of lament that when I didn't work in fashion, I was sort of much more adventurous in what I wore. But I think after so long and traveling so much, it sort of very much pairs down to the basics of things you wear over and over. So for me, there aren't things that I mean, definitely I've thought about it of like, well, I wouldn't buy that because... I I wouldn't be if someone asked me like and that's the thing it does happen a lot at events or or wherever else be like oh I love your jacket I love your what ex is it? what what is it and you're like oh it's X and and then when I'm like it's H and M and or if you say it's vintage from mm. I got it in Paris people are like oh of course amazing. you did of yeah. course that's amazing and so because I could like literally be wearing H and M and say oh it's vintage and they'll go oh amazing yeah and I'm just like you guys are lol yeah. <laughs> like. But I think that um, for me, there aren't things that I wouldn't wear. I don't really like, I mean, I'm kind of the opposite. There's certain things where I'm like, okay, I like buying into that. But because I'm quite classic in my taste, it's all about silhouettes and fabric. I prefer to invest more in pieces and have them for longer and have less pieces. And I sort of prefer to not be someone that you can look up and down and be like, okay, it's the shoes are this brand and then the jacket's this and Recent oh great, she's this. got this. It's more like, okay, that's that's just interesting. It's style. I think it's very easy for people to have a lot of money and spend it 
in a very current way and but that doesn't make you stylish that doesn't make you stylish whereas having sort of a, a mix of different things um and I think that's sort of it's way um, more interesting to look at I think as well as an outfit yeah and I think that's sort of I mean there are definitely pros with street style but that's a lot of how street style has changed is that it was sort of portraying very much stylish women and now it's sort of one portraying the same women so you know obviously a lot of digital places only want to portray certain women who they know have a following and also they're wearing head to toe often the same brand or they've been lent a runway look so they're wearing that they're paid to wear it out yeah, yeah so it sort of just doesn't it's not as exciting as when someone's wearing something that you're like I actually have no idea what that is and that's exciting because it looks it. amazing mm. and and then the disappointment when they're like oh I got it and vintage and you're like damn it yeah I'm but never going to be able like, to have well, that. That's amazing because you've mm. because there's that. that beautiful, um, I guess, ability for fashion and clothes to be an amazing conversation starter as well, and like that's way more interesting to me than yeah, do I have the current these shoes or that shoes? And one of the questions I ask you a lot is like, <laughs> like are these out now? It's like, <laughs> can can I still buy these or are they were they too? done in the season and therefore if you get them too late in the season is it kind of like pointless in having them and often you'll say to me like yeah they're like they're over certain things are over but I also then love the idea of buying something much later because you it's the design of it is actually amazing and it's timeless and you don't care that Billy's Instagram feed is pretty cool it's full of thoughtful film music and fashion references spirit and quotes and not the lame ones. It's authentically her, and then of course in a lot of ways, very rush. I wanted to know her take on the separation of self and brand, and if she intellectualised her Instagram feed. It's just kind of like... I I don't mm. think about it intellectually. Sometimes I wish I did and people tell me I should, but I definitely don't. I've told you that before. I'm like, you've got to get on the stories. (laughs) Definitely don't. I, I think that if you look at my Instagram, you can kind of tell what, where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. So recently I was up in sort of the Sundays, and so I was sort of all about beaches and shells and pretty things and I'll go on that tangent for a while and then maybe there'll be work that I want to sort of put out there because I want to celebrate all the people who've who've either worked with me on that or, you know, it's been a rush shoot, a shoot for rush, so put that out there. But, yeah, I definitely – and I don't I don't write – captions about why I'm putting it on there because I think that if it's on my Instagram it's Mm. because I either love it or I want Mm. to um, promote it or what you know it's not Mm. I don't have to love about that and when I think about um, perhaps our feeds if you were to compare them I'm a, a writer and a journalist so for me it's all about the copy and helping people understand the why behind the what, I guess. But for you as more as a stylist and sort of creative, you're more on the visual. Yeah, much do you know more what about I the mean? visual. I would rather put an amazing image up and then do a love heart yeah. because it's like that's just what I want to put up. That's what I've looked at this morning and I've loved and I want to share it and that's it. I don't want to be like Whereas making I'm some like, reason up as to why I put yeah. it up because I don't – I don't think like, that's why people – Here is a short essay on why I put this photo on. <laughs> but it's more – I think therefore you're using it more as like a thought, you know, like a thought – almost like yeah. a – yeah, a starting point of conversation as opposed to a visual mood board, which totally. is I think I mean, what mine for me, is. I think mine 
Mine is certainly has evolved, I guess, quite organically in it's a platform that allows me to share how I see the world and perhaps what's on my mind or what I'm going through personally. And I I have found it really humbling and also inspiring that people connect around the same stuff that you're kind of going through and a big part of it for me and even doing this podcast is trying to bring more of our stories forward so that it's less about just observing other people's lives and maybe a bit more community Mm. based. But I guess that's a good segue into my next question. Like you and I have spoken a lot about, you know, even my kind of transition out of my role and how I was thinking about doing that. And, you know, I certainly felt a lot of pressure around what it would look like and sound like and and you know I don't I don't love that and that's not very pure energy for me to be in but at the same time it's the reality of being in a senior job people Mm. want a fucking story and you kind of got to give them one in a lot of ways but I've actively um, worked on my personal brand in a way that says like yeah this is what I stand for you don't do that really at all you don't while you will promote rush work you don't really ever promote yourself um, and we have always been quite different in that sense. Why Why do you think that is? That's just who I am. So I think for you, if I look at your Instagram, I'm like, that's just you. Like it's obviously maybe an amplified version of you because, you know, it, it, you're sh- sharing in a in a platform that isn't technically intimate but you can make it intimate. But for me, I've always just – being like this, that's just not pushing myself is not a natural thing to me, um, mm. you know, in, in a in a physical way and a sort of digital um, social way. I think that you know, I I I re like yeah. If I'm if I'm if I'm I'm at a dinner party and it's in a physical setting and there's lots of noisy people and people are like yabbering about their opinions and you know I'm always the last person to give my opinion not because I don't think it matters but I think if there's a lot of other people giving their opinion it's a very busy and noisy space so I'd rather just wait and if someone really wants to know it they'll ask it mm. but it's I quite think- a beautiful approach really <laughs> and like no it is and you know a lot of the time what we should all be doing more of is listening yeah exactly I think yeah. that if I started sharing on Instagram my innermost thoughts and feelings which I would never do to that many people I would only sort of do it to very close friends and only sort of when relevant I just think it would just be really weird if suddenly everyone then was like oh okay Billy has all these thoughts and feelings and she's wanting to put them out there why because Billy's lost her marbles she's trying to build her personal (laughs) brand it's like Mm. what do you want young women to know because I know like there, there perhaps is women listening who would love Rush, you know, or maybe aspire to be in fashion or a fashion director. Um, what do you want young women to know about fashion and perhaps being fashionable? Um, I think it goes back to what I was saying before, which is one, work out what your passion is and if that is fashion, which area of fashion is it? Because um, you, you know, can sometimes it, not know that until you really get in there. And no, exactly. And that's why, you know, that's why interning or work experience is great because you can see, okay, that's what the stylist does at a magazine. That's what the writers do. That's what the graphic designers do. There's all different ways of being involved in and or is it brand side as opposed to publishing or digital. I think working that out first and foremost, I think 
it goes back to listening to your intuition, trusting your intuition um, in terms of taste as well, watching people and watching how they do it and having um, people that you admire is is great but having to work out for yourself what your style is, what your style in terms of style maybe you know if you want to be a star some what your own personal taste like, is what are you going to bring that's different as yeah, well yeah what are you going to bring that's different and who do you admire and why do you admire them is it because of the way they worked is it because of the photographers they worked with or the creatives that they surrounded themselves with because we probably don't really talk about that a lot like how much of um even for and and I don't know if I'm right or wrong like for a stylist's work to really shine it's through the kind of lens and gaze of the photographer exactly. as and well. That, and that it's so and that's why I love, you know, if I do part of my job is obviously styling. Um, I don't get to do it all the time, but it very much is I love it because it's you are part of a team and you get to pick that team. You get to pick the photographer that you work with, hair and makeup and model. So in that in that way you're creative directing the shoot. And, and you'll pick people right based on what you know you need to get out of the shoot. Exactly. And and sort of I the, the sort of most gratifying part of my job is supporting emerging talent, building people up. You know, we sort of start working with photographers when they've either they've just finished assisting or maybe they've um, just, you know, freshly started becoming a photographer. So we might do some shoots with them online. Um, and then we sort of, you know, I've had relationships where it's gone from us shooting together online through to shooting covers together. So amazing, and that's over the space of six years. That must be proud. That yeah, it's and be. I feel much more proud for them than I do for me because obviously I work at the title, so it's not, mm. it's a different kind of experience. But that's the best part of my job. And so I think being a people person and being able to work in teams is really important mm. um, to being in fashion and being a stylist specifically and sort of how Yeah, you and the one thing I would add to that is surrounding yourself or being trying to get near people you admire but then making sure that those people that you admire also respect you in that space because yeah. I've also seen so much of that where there's a lot of abuse there actually in like because they are these kind of big personalities they can get away with treating you know, I think particularly young people coming through in our industry, like we don't have to suffer that anymore. And I no. think that social media has created a really positive platform in that sense that we are policed in yeah. a way. So when you look at Diet Prada and you look at that fashion assistance count, that's my favourite thing to do late <laughs> at night is go on there and read those memes. are so funny. Um, but it's like, yeah, fight back because yeah. just because you're successful or you have a reputation, it doesn't mean you can treat people. No, and that's why, you know, there's, there's always – teams who are maybe assisting together and then they sort of start a creative relationship together of working and and building that up from there so I think finding your creative equals and people Mm. who excite you amongst your peers is really important and then building that up but making sure that within those sort of collaborations your voice is heard and you're not just you know, being dictated to by either the photographer because they want to do this or hair and makeup want to do something crazy and so suddenly you've got... like like putting fucking tape on the shoes. Yeah, exactly. So, but everyone has to, you know, people go through assisting but I think, yeah, establishing sort of creative um, collaborators and friends is really important. Mm, I think that's really great advice. Um, For the first time I put a little call out on Instagram (laughs) Um, and I tried to make it mysterious. I was like, if you could ask a leading fashion director anything, what would it be? (laughs) 
Um, and I had like the most amazing questions. Um, I've only selected a few of them just because um, this thing can't go forever. As much as I think you and I could probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sit in this talking. for a while and keep going. Um, so one of the questions was what excites or inspires you when you review brands or new collections? Um, I think having the a really strong vision, especially emerging brands and new brands, having a really strong vision and um, brand aesthetic is really important. Uh, th- and you can often tell when people have either worked in different ways and so they've, they really know what they want things to look like, which I think is really great. That's really inspiring. I think when – yeah, just meeting these sort of creative people who are maybe they're designers but they're also doing art pieces and, mm, and that's really that. inspiring and, and I think that's very inspiring because it's very different to what mm. I do in many ways but that's the reason why we do it is to portray those people and, and mm. give them a stage and um, a place to sort of, you know, be um, appreciated, which mm. is great. And give us something. It's like exactly. That's the thing I think, as a creative yeah. you're always giving. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think that – being a fashion director I think a lot of people and with social media and street style there is a kind of perception that you know you're always looking at things and I think there's a lot of consumerist tendencies as well like you see something you love so you want to own it and that's I'm guilty of that obviously as well but I think being inspired by designers and that's why the fashion shows you know they've sort of they're, the reason why they exist is to be this amazing sort of moment of the brand and coming to, what, life. Coming to life in all, you know, in the complete sort of holistic way. That's really inspiring and that's really exciting. And, you know, you're not sitting there being like, oh, okay, you know, I want to buy that or I want to put that in a shoot. Obviously that's part of your job, but it's also like what's the feeling? Like mm. what does that make me feel? Mm. What were they feeling when they created it and how am I going to translate that and how am I – yeah, associated. I wanted to associate myself with those different I commented to Billy that February and September can be really difficult months on Instagram because the international fashion shows are on and our feeds become flooded with glamorous runways and after parties. But having a close friend like her in the industry means I know it isn't all rainbows. I think it's definitely as amazing in in many ways and obviously when you're sitting an amazing show and you think oh my god you know 10 years ago I would never have imagined I'd be sitting here it's amazingly inspiring and I'm getting a lot from it but at the same time you know it is very grueling I you work really hard when you're there so you know you you often will start at 8 a.m and then go through to dinners and events through till midnight or so and then you have to sort of keep on top of your emails from Australia so you're then working on that throughout the day uh it, it so it can be really taxing I think that it um yeah is a it's sort of a really hard time often in terms of just in terms of the production schedule for our magazine as well you know we there's a whole sort of two months out of the year that we essentially there's there's only a few sort of shoots you can do 
overseas because all the models are working on all the shows. Um, you know, we've done shoots before where it wasn't confirmed until midnight the night before because what if they got confirmed for an amazing show the next day? They'd have to cancel oh the shoot. So it's really hard um, to sort of – we have to really plan ahead of time so that we can shoot everything before the month starts and before it kind of gets crazy. But – And then do you yeah. feel like you can't – I don't know if you do or you don't – like I have this too where you can't really complain about it on social media either because it's like but I am here as well. So it's like as taxing as it can be, you also don't want to be that person who's like, oh, man, like this is so hard for me. I'm in no, Paris. Exactly. <laughs> I mean I think that as we spoke, I probably would never complain on Instagram because I probably – my caption would be far too short for that. But <laughs> I would – obviously people who know me know that it is really difficult and all the travel does take its toll and – you know, when you're going on trips that, yeah, might be five weeks long and then like you're sort of establishing a personal life. Exactly. Even establishing a per- personal life. And, and I've sort of done a slightly less travel this year because of, you know, other, you know, other exciting projects that we're working on back here. That's been really nice. And, you know, I mean, there's always been times when my parents will, my mum will message me and she'll be like, should we get breakfast this week? And I'm like, I'm in Paris or <laughs> like, you know, just like friends are like not inviting you to things because like, oh, we thought you'd be away. And I was like, well, just let me know and I can let you know if I'm away or not. You know about my but, st- yeah. schedule, yeah. Mm. It is hard, but it, it's rewarding and difficult, mm. which is what everyone says, but because it's true, yeah. it's, it's really a privilege. It's a privilege. I mean, I think that a lot of people don't realise how hard it is until they do it. Um, so, you know, people I've worked with when – They've always been really keen to go to the shows and then they 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 do get to attend some things with me or in in place of me and oh it's really difficult and it's really hard. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've just got these great sort of stories from I guess like influencers, but friends of ours where it's like it's lonely. Like I'm sitting in an Airbnb in Paris eating cereal that I went out and bought because I can't afford naturally to go out to like yeah. <laughs> a cafe lonely, every day. Super lonely. Um and it is you're, you're surrounded by people all day, every day, but it is really lonely. And you know, in the past seasons when I've done it, there's often you know only six sort of um, editors or fashion directors who attend from Australia. So we all sort of usually see each other at the shows, which is really nice. That's nice. Yeah, and and that sort of has extended out into different influencers and um, different people sort of over the years. But it's it's yeah, it does get very lonely because you are spending a lot of time in hotel rooms, which are just not nice places to be. No, a bit soulless. Yeah. Okay. Final question. You've made it. I've made it. <laughs> um, I'm asking this of every guest that's mm. on offline. Um, the podcast exists as an exploration of self and how we identify with that. How, like when you're sitting in your true self, if we remove fashion director, if we take away rush, how do you, yeah, define that? A great question as well. Um, As I've spoken about, I think that there are a few people who would know my true self and who see that and they're obviously close friends. I make it sound like I'm sitting at home with these no friends and just like but <laughs> I know don't. who my true self is, so that's fine. Um, no, I – Well, I ask this also because you're actually someone in my life who has had the strongest sense of self. Like I've been on my journey of self, right, where when I met you, you already had it and it's that thing where you're like, well, how do you know? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I would say that my true self, it's um, 
I would say I'm probably much more funny than I would come across as initially. You're very playful. I would yeah, say. playful in a way that, you know, I'm sort of, I like cracking dark jokes. I have a very dark sense of humour. Um, that is definitely one thing I think I'm very sort of loyal and caring. So as I said, when I'm sort of in something, I'm very much all in. So I'll be worried about, you know, a friend's partner or because of something they mentioned two months ago and I'll check in and they're like, what are you even talking about? Like, did we talk about this? And I was like, yes, are they okay? Or, you know, I think, yeah, that thoughtful. You do that a lot with me. Yeah, thoughtfulness and kind of caring and loyal is how I would. And the best gift giver on the face of the earth. Highly (laughs) personalised gifts. Yes, I do love giving gifts and I love and I don't I, – it's not about what I want to get in return. I'm that sort of person who someone will say something a year before, like the day after their birthday or something, and then the year later for their birthday I'll get them that thing and they're like, how did you know I wanted this? And I've just got a, I've got a really good memory actually. So that ties into it. But And you're a listener. I'm a listener, yes. Yeah. So giving gifts is – really gratifying I'll spend months thinking about things and talking about it with people and being like what should I? they're like what are you, why, why are you thinking about I will this? say and I, I would say that a lot of your friends would also relate to this like it does like buying you gifts is really hard because it's like oh my gosh she did this epic like maybe it was a book I spoke about or you know like you got me a life drawing class for my birthday which I have to get that back in actually mm-hmm. in the calendar um and so then I go into this thing where I'm like oh my god what am I going to get her that's going to equally I mean, be that's as all I've heard and from my family as well because I'm like well you just have everything you need mm. and I'm like yes but it's not always about need gifts aren't about need gifts are those things that you want but you're like I'm not going to spend my own money on that because buying myself you know sage and crystals potentially isn't something I need really all we ever want is like stuff from Vanustas yeah, or a massage exactly. and I always Vanustas. give gifts from Vanustas whether it be you know the massages or the little meditation packs I think they're such great gifts and things that people potentially unless they're sort of immersed in that world of going there all the time wouldn't buy themselves so it's such a treat but yes I have heard that I am hard to buy presents for but I'm always ready to accept gifts so <laughs> please give them to well, me. on that note <laughs> uh, my gift to you is going to be going out for another glass of wine well, that is the perfect <laughs> gift. So thank you. And well, thank you for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. We did it. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. 